Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Like that. Just like that. Stay fair. Down the right field line. Gone! Off the foul pole. A mammoth blast off the bat of Carpenter. Let it rip on three and one. Oh, did he need that? And welcome into the Danny Mac Show with BK. Tanner with us as well. And it is a Wednesday as we take you up till Cardinal Baseball and also BK and Ferrario. Baseball today at 12.15. And good morning to everyone. Good morning to you, BK. Good morning, Dan. How about that one? I, I loved that call, by the way. The fact that you were able to say, please stay fair. Please <laughs> stay fair. It was wonderful. I felt like I was expressing what everybody that is around Matt Carpenter or pulls from Matt Carpenter was feeling. Just stay fair. Give this guy a little break here. He needed it. And you know what? He had good at-bats all night. The Cardinals had good at-bats all night. And Steven Strasburg was not the normal Steven Strasburg that we see. Jack Flaherty did enough to win the game. But back to Carpenter, uh, in my mind, he, he's going to start getting some starts now because he's, he's swinging the bat even though prior to this game he wasn't getting results. I think you got to stick with him the way that things are going. I think this has become easy for Mike Schultz, and I know that's a weird thing to say because it seems like it should be complicated. It's not, in my opinion. If you've got a righty on the mound, it's pretty simple. You're going to have Matt Carpenter start at second. You put Tommy Edmond in right, in and left. Based on what he did last night, based on what he did over the weekend, Justin Williams is getting your starts. Against lefties, it becomes a little bit more interesting. Tommy Edmond will bump down to second, and my guess is you would see Austin Dean and Lane Thomas uh, flanking Dylan Carlson in the outfield, but that's where things could get a little bit more interesting. Against righties, it becomes pretty easy, though. Speaking of Justin Williams, I'm going to get back to Carpenter here in a second, but Justin Williams, really good game, and the outfield production last night was very good. Dylan Carlson quietly three hits I think he was on base four times obviously Williams had a couple of big knocks you look at Tommy Edmond doing what Tommy Edmond does if you get that kind of production like last night was a microcosm of what we've been talking about no matter I don't care how you shuffle it up in the outfield but if you get some kind of production from them and if you get any kind of production from Carpenter to match what's happening with Goldschmidt Arenado then you got something going you know, now you lengthen that lineup. Now it looks like a complete lineup. And that's what you had last night. It was Goldschmidt Arenado again. You know, Goldie home run number 250. Arenado pops a home run. But you had length in the lineup. And all of a sudden, it's a different looking ball club. That is what, when John Mosellock constructed this team in the offseason, he was thinking, okay, at its core, at its best, this is what the lineup could be for the Cardinals in 2021. Now, you don't expect that every night. No. You can't. Right. But Paul Goldschmidt looked amazing last night, and he now leads all of baseball, Dan, with hard hit rate. He's, he has the most hard hit balls of anybody in baseball this season. Nolan Arenado, once again, looked great. Tommy Edmond has maybe the quietest nine-game hitting streak I've ever yeah. seen in baseball, where he's basically been awesome since opening day, and when you get a little something from this outfield, it changes 
everything. I know I'm going to get good nights almost every night from Arenado Goldie. I know a couple of days ago that wasn't the case. More often than not, you're going to get something from at least one of those guys. It's about everybody else. Hard hit balls, by the way, for people that are curious, 95 miles an hour or better off the bat. And so he's got, I think, 23, 24, maybe 25. He's up 25 after yeah. last night. I think it was going in was 22. Yeah. So, yeah, he's hitting the ball hard, and so did Matt Carpenter uh, last night on that uh, long uh, drive down the right field line, and we all were hoping, would it stay fair? What did he think? I mean, I was, like, doing my inner Carlton Fisk, trying to keep that ball fair as best I could. Um, thankful that it that it, that it stayed, and uh, it was a good feeling seeing it hit that pole. And Mike Schilt, his manager, his thoughts on the home run. You just, man, stay fair. Please, just stay fair. I mean, you're pulling for all of them. And, um, and it was, like, straight, straight, straight. And then right at the end, it started to, you know, from my vantage point, yeah, you know, it's like, I'll stay fair. And then Doink is like, whew, just such a relief. Again, it broke the game open. And also, it was just a, a reward, just use Jeff's word, um, for a guy that has had a lot of a lot of fanfare about his balls being hit at people. Nine of his 13 baseballs put in play this season have been hard hit balls. His expected BA batting average is 296. And Carpenter knows it's a game of momentum. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, you know, baseball is a game of momentum. It always has been. And, um, you know, when you take a swing like that and um, you're able to continue to carry on those at-bats, I mean, I didn't really have any luck. You know, pretty par for the course for me so far this season. Um, but, I, you know, ultimately just hitting the ball hard is all you can do. And I feel like I've done a pretty good job of that to this point in the season. And um, hopefully I can keep that momentum going. Because, I mean, I just if you just keep hitting it hard, you know, they're eventually going to fall in for you. Um and I'm confident that they will. Yeah, just try not to hit it into the shift. <laughs> and he, the, the funny thing, Dan, is he's actually done a pretty good job of that yeah. so far this year. A lot of his uh, balls that he's put in play have gone the other way, much more so than a year ago. And that's why when you look at not just the hard hit rate, because like you said, sometimes that goes straight at where the guys are, are standing. They're standing there for a reason. When you look at where those are going, that almost as much as anything is what's giving me a little more confidence that this might be real for Matt Carpenter. Now, will it sustain? I don't know, because even at his best, we've seen in the past where he goes into these spells, especially late in the season, where he doesn't look the same as he did early on. So I don't know how long this can sustain itself. But maybe he buys you a month where Harrison Bader is on the mend. The pitching staff is kind of finding its sea legs right now. Maybe that gives you enough time to figure things out around him. Maybe one of the outfielders gets hot around him. And this first month that he buys you allows you to find the other answers that are more sustainable. That's all you need out of Matt Carpenter right now. I mentioned last night he is a uh, very proud guy. He put in a ton of work this offseason. So he was driving about 90 minutes to go work out with other major league players away from his home in Texas and then 90 minutes back. And look, I get it. He's paid to to do these things. Um, But he put in the time is what I mean. And he was changing some things up. And he's proud. He's had a hell of a career. I mentioned last night the the Medwick milestone. I I talked about it. He's going to be in the top 5, 10, 15, 20 on so many different Cardinal offensive categories. So He's a very proud guy, and the point I'm trying to get to here is that this is a baseball town that understands that this guy has had a good career, uh, has, has been a part of some great moments. He's a three-time All-Star. I thought yesterday's curtain call was one of the coolest things I've seen in a long time. That that was pretty neat, and it was not only neat for the fans to recognize that, hey, here's a guy that's proud, 
said it three times now, and gone through a tough time. But man, that was his moment, and it, it maybe it's a time for it. it just it was the relief was off his shoulders. Uh, you know, it, it just the monkey's off his back, so to speak. And I, I felt that was a great moment at the ballpark. And then to see his teammates' reaction was really cool too, because they know he's doing the same thing. They they know he's putting in the time, and to see it finally rewarded was a good thing. We've had multiple baseball moments already this season here in St. Louis. One of them was Nolan Arenado's yeah. home opener, right? The home run that he had. That's a true not just baseball moment, but a St. Louis baseball moment and then last night was another one of those and you couldn't have these last year like they didn't exist in the 2020 shortened truncated baseball season because fans weren't out there and that's what we missed last night would have been cool no matter what it became special because there were fans in the stands and because of the ovation that they gave Matt Carpenter. And, Dan, I'm with you. I know there's probably going to be some texters today. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line that say something to the effect of that's not what it is. That's not what a curtain call should be. I don't care. I, I, it's I, different here. That's I, just the way it is. And I don't care if it right. should or shouldn't be that. That was a cool moment. The fans reacted with a genuine sense of applause, and Matt Carpenter reacted as well and went out there for the curtain call. It was a cool moment, and it's okay to just appreciate the little things sometimes. And that was a little thing that very well for the Cardinals could become a big thing. Yeah, and Matt Carpenter knows about that fans' excitement. He's seen it all the uh, all the years he's been here in town. Yeah, I mean, our fans have been great. I mean, you can really... You can really sense um, everybody's excited to be back in the ballpark and um, just really, really happy to be cheering on, you know, their team and, and at Bush Stadium again. And the players feel the exact same way. I mean, we are so thrilled to, to see them out there every day and to hear them. Um, the you know, energy's been amazing. This whole, that, this entire homestand and tonight uh, was a lot of fun. Um, we were able to, you know, score a bunch of runs for them. Dan, you mentioned the uh, the dugout reaction as well. I know you're somebody that when when the game goes to break, you're watching the action on the field that is still taking place. You like watching the uh, mannerisms, the body language. What can I take away if I'm a Cardinals fan from the reaction that I saw last night that you guys showed on Bally Sports Midwest from the dugout to his homer? Nolan Arnato. I, I think that's the one that stuck out, uh, stood out to me and really stuck out was. Um, he was kind of like, really? You know, curtain call for this? You know, it, like they do this all the time. And he's seen the Wong reception. Um, I've said it a few times. I'll, I'll throw this at you, too. I mean, if you're Nolan Arenado, you've heard all about this, but it's one thing to hear about it. And then you're in the moment you experience it. So he has a storybook opening day. Catches the first pitch, hits the game winning home run, gets the standing O, gets the curtain call. That's great. But then he's like, wait a minute, Colton Wong was like a good player, it wasn't great, and he's in tears at home plate. Okay? That's kind of cool. Uh, every time Yachty comes up, they're chanting Yachty, and he hits a bomb, and they go nuts for him. Now, that's kind of cool. Uh, Matt Carpenter is, you know, one for his last 100, and they just gave him a curtain call. That's what I took away was like, this guy's probably, I don't want to say overwhelmed, but there's probably some guys in that dugout going, yep, told you. This is how it is in St. Louis, and it's corny. I, I get it. But yep. that's how it's done. And the the players, believe me, they do appreciate it. How do you not? Certain you know? guys do. Um, all of them appreciate it to different degrees for sure, right? And Arenado seems like a baseball rat where he's going to be the kind of guy that absolutely appreciates it to his core. And I think it goes both ways with him, right? Where it's like he appreciates the fans in a way that you can't without being here every day. And I think it goes for the fans as well with Nolan Arenado where – 
I think St. Louis is starting to appreciate him in a way that you can't unless you watch his game every day. The plays that he makes at third consistently, the way that he takes every single at-bat, and you talked about it with Juan Soto last night, how he doesn't give anything away. Neither does Nolan Arenado. So I think it goes... Jason Stark said this to us a month ago, two months ago now. He said he thinks it's going to be a love affair between St. Louis and Nolan Arenado. And if anything, he expected it to be better than what either side expected it to be. I think I'm already there. We're a couple weeks in. It feels that way to me. You mentioned Juan Soto. I said this the other night, and I'll stick to it. To me, it's like watching Albert Pujols in his prime, and he's the best right-handed hitter I've ever seen. He's that good. Wow. He's that good. Um, his understanding of the strike zone. By the way, the strike zone last night was ridiculously small. And Soto made sure they knew that. <laughs> wow. That was, it, it, you know, you wonder why you got four-hour games that are nine innings? That's, that's case A. Uh, example, perfect right there. I mean, because Flaherty, to me, was actually better than his line. Like, he, he, you know, he goes five innings. You got a big lead. You would love to see from your starter typically at least seven in that spot, in my opinion, if you're the number one guy. Again, it's early season. You're being careful with guys. I get it. But he was going deep into counts, and he's right on the plate. I mean, there was a couple that were right there, and it went both ways. I also thought that Steven Strasburg, something wasn't right with him. And I I picked up on that right away. I started looking at his body. You talk about body mannerisms and language and that kind of thing. Something wasn't right. He he was really, I don't know if sluggish is the right word, if... um, mechanically he was out of whack he's always had some type of injury that it seems like that's always followed him we had the shot of him then later rubbing his shoulder and then the 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 telltale is velo i mean his velocity was down he was hitting only 90 91 normally he's 92 to 94 and at his best he's been mid to high 90s so something wasn't right there but the cardinals took advantage of it you talk about baseball moments then you you also add in here in st louis the woo i mean when you get the woo Damn. Late inning. What? Damn. What? We've got to. I, what, what, what's wrong? I saw Jim Hayes <laughs> tweeted out this morning that he tried everything he could to make sure that this gets cleared up and that we no longer have to worry about this. Man, we got to put somebody on this. I don't know if Jim Hayes can get it done, but if he can't, you need to. I need you out in the crowd today. Oh, my goodness. I don't know, again, what it's like on television. Awful. Okay. Awful. Cuz I'm horrible. just doing the game. I I can kind of, you know, hear what it's like. Sometimes I take one of my ears, you know, I call them ears, you know, your your headset. I take one of them off and leave one on just to get the real true reaction of the crowd like I did that on opening day. And I did it last night and I was like, yeah, this is pretty loud woos. These are woo, you know, you're hearing that a lot, you know. So I, I was thinking to myself, yeah, this is definitely going into your living room. Yeah, so we had on BK and Ferrario <laughs> yesterday, uh, Grant Paulson, who hosts a radio show out in Washington, DC, Dan. He said that the the Nationals players after the first game in the series were asked in their press conferences after the game about the woo? about the woos. I said, Oh no, Grant, please please tell me this has not become a St. Louis thing. He said, Listen, I'm not telling you it's a St. Louis thing, but I will tell you that I've never heard a player asked about the woos at any other stadium (laughs) after the game. You know, in years past when it's been done, it's been like really late games or long games, and the crowd is very much diminished from the 40,000 that's normally there. So you maybe have, you know, 20,000 people, and they're just messing around. Woo! Well, now you got 12,000 people there from opening pitch, so... It's uh, that's the feeling that you get. So people are doing it. I don't know about it. But we got to find something better, ladies and gentlemen. We got to be better. It, it, if the wave has to make a return to eliminate this, 
I'll be damned. Do the wave. <laughs> do the wave in the eighth inning while you've got the position player pitching. So, uh, by the we'll way, get, he was good. We'll, oh, he was very good. <laughs> that was impressive. Yeah, Hernan Perez came in. One, two, three, went the Cardinals, struck out two. We'll visit with Rick Horton coming up. We'll get his thoughts on the woo. That is more important than anything else. So, Rick Horton is coming up. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Cardinals baseball is coming up today at 12.15, and that's the first pitch. You can see it, 11.30 on Valley Sports. And with BK, I'm Danny Mack. This is 101 ESPN, and the Cardinals and the Nationals playing in the rubber game. And we say good morning to the guy that'll be, well, he's going to be on TV. He's going to be on radio. He is everywhere. And that is my good friend, Ricky Horton. How you doing, Rick? Yeah, I didn't know I was as omnipresent as you seem to make that out to be, but, I, but I'm doing great, Danny. I'm looking forward to uh, following up on last night's fun and uh, good to be with both you guys. Omnipresent. I was trying to fi- figure out that word when I was saying when I was doing the intro. I knew you'd have it. So, <laughs> thanks. You're everywhere. Um, I'm the color guy for you, Danny. You know I am. I know you are. Um, let, let's go back to last night. I want to start with this: the the moment for Carpenter and what it means for him, and maybe what it means for this team. What did you think? Oh my goodness, that was such great theater. You know, we had uh, the, the wonderful opening night and Arenado's blast and. And fans back in the ballpark, and you think, well, that is just uh, that can't you can't get any better than that. But I thought last night had a very special moment when Carpenter hit the home run, and it wasn't just his reaction. He said post game he, he was doing his Carlton Fisk impersonation to try to keep that ball fair. Uh, I was number one surprised he was uh, old enough to remember Carlton Fisk, but number two, uh, what what we really focused on and talked a lot about last night, and I know you did, and with Brad is is uh, wow, what the, what about the reaction of his teammates? I mean, the teammates were just happier than he was, and that's just great to see. I'm curious, Ricky. You know, we had talked so much prior to the last couple of days about how hard Matt Carpenter was hitting the ball, but doing so without any of the production. What can that, what we saw last night, do for a guy now that he is finally seeing the production as well as the good process? I I was trying to articulate the best way I could last night just what happens with an offensive uh, mindset. Uh, and I was thinking about it in terms of the whole team because that one inning they scored nine runs. Everybody went up there expecting to get a hit because the flow was going in that direction. The feeling, the confidence, the whatever you want to say, timing, everything just seemed right. And you you you, you see three guys in front of you get hit. You think, okay, this is not that hard. And so, and of course, the game is hard. But I think for Matt, it can have that same effect on him personally. That. Now he's got that feeling of making the hard contact and, and, you know, getting the home run, getting something to show for it. Now I will say, unfortunately for him, he should have had three hits last night, only had one, because he had two other balls right on the nose. And, you know, the key for Matt, obviously, is to is to not strike out. I mean, too many strikeouts for a couple of guys in the Cardinals lineup. Put the ball in play, hit the ball hard, good things happen. I'm curious what you think about today. It's going to be history made at the ballpark with the first pitch delivered by Adam Wainwright. So it'll be games caught number 2,000 for Yadier Molina. What do you think that moment will be like with that first pitch? Or is this just something that they kind of say, okay, they throw the ball out, nice moment for Yadier, gets a standing O, and we move on. What, what do you think? I, I'm really curious because I've never seen it. No one's ever well, seen it. I, I mean, we've had some guys get it, but not with one team. Yeah, I don't know that I, I, it would be interesting to see Yachty's reaction to it. I think Wayno will be uh, ready for the theater and, and help give him. You know, Yachty loves to come and stand in front of the plate. So he, he, if, if there's a visiting player that Colton Long, for example, Yachty lets him get his due. Well, I'm a feeling Wayno's going to orchestrate Yachty getting his due uh, today uh, when that's announced. But uh, I think the fan base, and you said get the standing O, I think the fan base 
really wants to express how much they're glad. We are all glad that Yachty decided to re-sign back with the Cardinals again. I, you know, it wasn't that long ago on the calendar where we were preparing for a season without uh, Molina, without Wainwright, and we had, didn't have Arenado yet either. So we were preparing for a season that was, was maybe going to be very different than what we have now. So I think the fan base is going to drive that moment. And again, it's 12,000, it's not 44,000, but uh, I'm just so happy to have people back in the stands again. Ricky, all offseason, when we would talk about the possibility of Yachty being back, you know, it was about, well, look at what he can do for this young pitching staff and look at the off-field stuff that he can uh, contribute to this team. I don't think I ever once brought up what he could bring with his bat to this lineup, and yet that's probably been his biggest contribution early this season. What has surprised you from that perspective, the offense that Yachty is bringing? I think he's driving the ball with – I think he's got a different kind of power this year. Not that, you know, it's all about power, but he's, he's doing damage. He's not just kind of flaring the ball the other way. He looks uh, bigger and, I don't know, stronger, just bigger uh, uh, this year than he, than he has been in other years. And, and I think that's given him just a little bit uh, more power. And he's driving the ball in the gaps. The home run he hit the other day was really historic distance for him. And so I think it gives you the threat. What, what it did do for the short term is give Paul DeYoung a rest from that cleanup spot and the pressures that was starting to mount on him uh, in offensively. And so, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, you want Yachty back for his defense. In fact, the, the other teams that were interested in Yachty, and I know one team in particular, and I won't say who they are, but uh, it rhymes with Yankees. Uh, <laughs> they, they, were, they were very interested in Yachty helping to lead and fix some things on that team and on that pitching staff. And there were guys selling the Yankees on, you have got to get this guy. I, I don't we forget his bat. This guy will be a difference maker, and we'll go to the World Series and win it if you get Yachty. And they decided not to uh, break the bank for him, so I'm glad they didn't. Ricky, I, I, and one of the things I love about working with you, and I always say this, Ricky pitched in the major leagues. He coached. Uh, you've done a lot of things on the side with kids at pitch, so you, you really understand mechanics. And I, I want to go back to Strasburg last night. What did you see from him? Velocity was way down. And I, I was saying in our first segment that it looked like something wasn't right and he was just laboring mechanically, all that stuff. What, what did you see out of Strasburg? Well, we said it, uh, we said it on the radio side, too, and, and, and it was pretty clear. You watch it often enough, you see a guy in what you expect to see, and, and then he's throwing 90-91 or, or so, and it's like, that's not quite right. But the very first tip-off for me was uh, uh, him landing, and I think it might have been the second inning. He had landed and he landed awkwardly. Then he landed awkwardly again, and he looked down at his feet, and he was kicking his shoe, and then kind of just gyrating a little bit. And it, it's kind of the telltale signs for a pitcher having some kind of an issue. And so, I, you know, I, I, I made the comment that, you know, I'm surprised no one's out there talking to him about to make sure he's okay, because I, I see something is amiss here. And uh, yet, may, perhaps that's something that they knew about, and, and I was still very anxious to hear the follow-up on kind of what was going on with him, and whether it was you know, a combination of a lower lower body issue or his shoulder or both. And I don't, you know, it wasn't like he couldn't pitch, but you could tell he wasn't 100%. And sometimes you're not 100%. you got to find a way to win when that happens, and uh, the Cardinals didn't let him find that way. Cardinals broadcaster Ricky Horton joining us here on 101 ESPN. Ricky, sticking with the pitching side of things, I wanted to ask you about Jack Flaherty and his night last night. You'd like to see more than five innings, but with the way that they were up, I think Mike Schilt just decided, you know, let's let's go ahead and get some relievers out here. What did you see from him last night? And do you think over the last two starts from Jack, we've seen him kind of look more like the Jack of old that we expected coming into the season? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I love talking about Jack because Jack needs to be Jack needs to be great. I mean, that that's that's the, the bar for him. You know, he was coming out of spring training. I was asked about Jack, and I said, "Well, I'm not worried about Jack being good, but we don't need Jack to be good. We need him to be better than good. He, he's the guy. He's going to be opening day starter. He needs to be the guy you can turn to after a three game uh, losing streak." And he's just going to take the ball and beat whoever it is, and and you'll feel confident about that. And so I think he's he's on the road back to becoming that guy that he was the second half of of 2019, where he was virtually unhittable. And I, what what I did see a little better. Now he said his basketball command wasn't very good in the post uh, game sound, but I thought it was much better. It's been better uh, the last two games. The slider was really sharp. That's another pitch that was kind of it was good, but not great. And then I thought it was you know borderline great uh, yesterday. I, a really terrific and Jack not walk a batter and in a game where he had probably six pitches taken away from him in the bottom part of the zone and, and I thought the zone was very tight for him and yeah he still was able to not walk a batter so I think that may have led a little bit to his pitch count elevating uh, I think the error that that happened early in the game at blew up one inning where he ended up throwing, what, close to 30 pitches in that inning. So uh, if, if, he, if he didn't have that one big inning, he probably would have been out there for six or seven. Yeah, it was 30 pitches in the second inning, and I we were talking about that in the first segment. The strike zone was uh, postage stamp. It was ridiculous. Ooh, ooh, no, um, unbelievable. It really was. I, I want to ask you, Ricky, how concerned do you get we're only, you know, a couple weeks into the season, but the starters have gone 48 and a third. The relievers have gone 48 and two thirds. It's not sustainable. So how concerned are you with uh, the amount of usage that the bullpen is getting right now? Well, definitely concerned about that. And, and you know, you're going to have to keep the, the Seth Elliges of the world and the Johan Oviedo's and Jake Woodford, to, you know, as ready as possible. And Cody Whitley came back yesterday, gave a couple of innings, and they're all going to have to be multiple inning guys. So you can't have you can't have your guy come up from the alternate site and throw an inning. He, he's got to be ready to throw. I would I'd stretch them all out for goodness sake because that's kind of how you're going to use them. And and the, you know I've never been a big fan of the six man rotation. Never been a fan of the piggyback because of the word that you said that Mike Schilt uses all the time. Not or the words not sustainable. I mean it may work for a bit. And you may need to do it for a bit when you got a long stretch, and, and the Cardinals, I think, are going to do that when KK comes back. But the point is, over time, that is not, you know, that is not something that works because your bullpen gets taxed too much. You do a piggyback thing, you're essentially using two guys every day, and that, that just doesn't make any sense to me at all, and, and, and especially in light of the, the fact that you know, we're, we're in a game now and playing, playing National League-style baseball, I might add, where you, you do have to worry about pitch hitting for your pitcher maybe earlier than you want. And so uh, it, is, uh, it is definitely an issue the Cardinals have to fix, and maybe KK is part of that problem. Maybe Jack and Wayno uh, will kind of get into that 7-8 inning mindset uh, sooner than later, and, and then the problem will go away. And that's kind of the way the bullpen is. It's a big problem, then it's not. Then it's a problem, then it's not. And uh, we'll just see how that plays out. Ricky, as we're talking about some of our concerns, I, I was a little worried about Paul DeYoung early in this season based on the way that he looked at the plate. It was nice to see him last night get one, uh, get a knock in there as well. What have you seen from his swing this year? I'm curious to hear what your kind of assessment has been early on about Paul DeYoung. Well, to me, he looks so he's late on fastballs, and he's a little he's not timed up with his body. It seems like a not the smooth Paul DeYoung swing. When Paul is right, the swing seems very easy. It's kind of just everything's timed up. It's short. It's easy, and he you know hits the ball hard, and he gets great carry. You know, Paul doesn't have to have a wild swing to hit the ball 400 feet. We we saw that 
you know, the year he had 30 home runs, just kind of just make contact and, and he gets the backspin on the ball and it flies. He's got really good uh, power that uh, doesn't require over swinging. And, you know, he just has been vulnerable off speed pitches too. So, you know, hitters call that being in between. He lay on the fastball and of the breaking pitch. That's kind of the whole point of trying to get timed up. And, and I think that's been his biggest issue. Nolan Arenado, now you've had a chance to watch him in spring in person. You were down in Jupiter. You're watching him now, regular season play. We all know about the great glove. We know that he's got power. He's got three home runs now. What are some of the things that you're picking up that maybe you didn't realize in watching uh, Nolan Arenado? Okay, well, then number one, I want to I officially say that I think the trade was a good one. Yes. I get out on a limb and say, say I, you know, I'm, I'm totally convinced that that was a good deal for the Cardinals in more ways than one. Here's what I like about him that I, that I, I guess I never really noticed as a Rocky how he does not take a pitch off. Yep. And I don't mean not in that bat, but every pitch has an intensity to it and that is really fun to watch. I mean, he's competing pitch by pitch. So he's the, in my mind, he's the, he's the hitter version of Chris Carpenter pitching. So Chris Carpenter, you never felt like he just kind of flipped one up there and didn't care, right? I mean, that, heaven forbid. Well, Arenado's that way on the offensive side. He is just, and I, I don't like the word grinding because that always sounds like painful to me, but, but he is, he's working every single at bat. And, and I love, I love watching a guy. I think I think fans uh, in St. Louis like watching a player that they can see working hard. Now that's just his style, uh, but boy, it's just fun to watch. Ricky, I did want to ask about one player on the opposition today, Juan Soto. You've been around this game at the big league level for about forty years, Ricky. Do you have any comps for what we're watching right now from Juan Soto? I mean, he is special at the plate. Yeah, I'm t- I have to think about that, I, and I also have to think about the fact that the 40-year comment makes me feel old as I'm driving into the <laughs> park today. <laughs> but, but, but the you know Soto, uh, he's so unique because he's you know essentially, I mean, top three player in the game at, at the age 22, and uh, you know he too has a flair to himself the way he plays that is fun to watch. And you know all the people around him, you know people might say, well, I don't like some of his mannerisms, but all of his mannerisms are just born out of passion. Uh, and athleticism, and that's kind of just his style. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, maybe, maybe Tatis is, you know, he's an example of a young player that has just got, you know, uber uh, potential in terms of what their career is going to be like. It's really hard for me to say. I, you know, I don't think players became those kind of players overnight, you know, 30 years ago. I think it took them years to develop. But I think baseball has learned you know, you got a superstar, throw him out there and, and let him let him fly. And I think that's why it's hard to think of a comparable, really. I mean, I know, said, hey, Ricky, back. I said he was the right-handed version of, of Albert Pujols. Yeah, I mean, Pujols would be the best one for for us to connect to because Albert, you know, Albert, you know, there was talk, talk about him not making the team in spring training and Jose Okendo in a coach's meeting said, uh, forget not making the team. He needs to bat third and play every day. Yeah. <laughs> and he was right. And he was right because he, and that, but that was maybe the first player I can remember. And, you know, maybe Willie Mays and Hank Aaron were those guys when they were young, but that's the first player I remember that was such an impact guy. Alex Rodriguez was an impact guy young in his career. Ken Griffey Jr. Was uh, so, and again, exciting players that people would pay to come watch. Awesome stuff, Ricky. Love it. And uh, we'll have you tuned in today and appreciate you so much. Yeah. You guys are the best. Thanks, buddy. That is uh, Rick Horton. Uh, he'll be on the radio side. He'll also be uh, contributing on Bally Sports on the pregame and the postgame today. Dan, I talked about this with BT yesterday, kind of following up on that question that I asked there at the end. 
He asked me, where would you rank Juan Soto in terms of you get to draft all of the players in baseball and you, you've got the number one pick to start your team? Who are you taking with that pick and where does Juan Soto rank on that big board? I told I told Brad before the season, I might have put him two behind, behind Tatis yeah. because of the positional versatility and the fact that he's a shortstop. With the injury now with Tatis and the fact that this is a recurring thing for him, I think you've got to go Soto number one. I think 22 so too. years old? I mean, yeah. this, is, this is ridiculous. Yeah, and he's back at his natural position. He's back in right field, and he's a good right fielder. He's not great, but he's good. Um, but you're not paying him to catch balls yeah. and throw people out. You're paying him to, to mash, and he can mash. I mean, it, the, the, the at-bat he had with Flaherty last night was incredible. Like, if you, if you like to go inside and really dive into an at-bat, so he swung at an inside pitch – that was not inside. It was an outside pitch. He was guessing in. And Flaherty then on one and one didn't get a, a pitch that was a strike go his way. So now it's two and one. You're in a hitter's count. He guessed in. He opened up and it just hits a rocket off the wall. And, you know, he's been on base in half of his plate appearances this year. I mean, you can't get the guy out. And now you totally understand why you go out if you're the Nationals and get Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber to find some type of protection. And that's what I was thinking about last night was – there's got to be somebody in the Cardinal lineup that steps up behind Arenado. Got to be. Because if not, he's not going to see a lot of pitches to hit. The the one two three has been really good this year. Edmund, Goldschmidt, Arenado. But you got to find a four. I don't think Yachty's sustainable at that at the age of 38. And I do think he's off to a great start. But you got to have a consistent threat behind number three in your lineup, which is Nolan Arenado. So here's a question for you, Dan. What if you ended up having, like, I think Carlson eventually, whether it be today or four weeks from now, I don't know when the actual date will be. I think he's going to hit in your top four. I don't know if he's going to be your cleanup hitter, but I think he's going to hit in the top four. Can it be a situation where you have, whether whether you have Carlson three or two, what does that do then when you have Arenado batting cleanup? Do you have the same issue? Or because you've extended your your lineup now to the fourth spot, does that become less of a concern for yeah, you? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Because I've thought maybe you do Edmund, Goldie, Carlson, Arenado, because then you got two switch hitters. You you know, you make it a little bit tough on the back end of games for relievers and matchups and things of that nature. But yeah, the the question is though, okay, who hits fifth? Who's, who's going to protect him? you got to have some kind of protection there. So someone's got to step up in that lineup. I really do believe that. I think the guy that is most likely to Carlson. do so is Carlson. And if you wanted to bat him fourth now, I'd be fine with it, honestly. he he looks Last night he looked great at yep. the plate. He looked like he had fixed something. Whatever was plaguing him early in the year, he looked like he had turned things around at the plate. I, I think eventually, though, if you want to have him two or three, The guy that needs to get turned around to be able to feel good about this is Paul DeYoung. Him batting fifth behind Nolan Arenado is the one that makes the most sense there. And you miss O'Neal. You know, O'Neal is streaky, and if he gets into a hot streak of seven to ten days, that can carry in a season, you know, parts of seasons if he gets those streaky uh, runs. And same thing with Paul DeYoung. And then maybe you just kind of say, if you're Mike Schilt, okay, that guy's hot. He's going behind Arenado. All right, cooled off. This guy's hot. He goes up. You gotta, you, maybe that's how you do it. Something that I wouldn't mind seeing, like today, if they wanted to do this, I or next week, whatever. If Matt Carpenter's still hitting, go Edmund, Goldie, Carlson, Arenado, Matt Carpenter, Yachty, and then Paul DeYoung. By the way, uh, we forget the big picture with Carpenter. How much of a difference 
the lineup looks when he hits. And now he hasn't done it in a, a while. Change. Oh, my goodness. It, it could be just a game changer. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Danny Mac Show on a Wednesday with BK Tanner with us as well. And our thanks to Ricky Horton for joining us as we uh, talked a little Cardinal baseball. 12-15 with the first pitch, business person special. And uh, you can tune in at 1130 on Bally Sports Midwest. And it'll be Adam Wainwright on the mound today. Cardinals need him to to give them some innings. Now you have the off day tomorrow, then you go to Philly, and then you uh, wrap up the season series with the Nationals, which I don't like, by the way. I wish we played each other a little bit more. Uh, I wish the Cardinals would go out to the West Coast a little bit more, out East a little bit more. But hey, that's the way it's set up with I early play. I hate the play. way their schedule sets up early in the season in like general. It. Too many of like a round robin against teams. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan either. So to this game today... Uh, mentioned the numbers, 48 and a third from the starters, and the relievers actually have pitched more than the starters this year. Not sustainable. So you'd like to see a deeper game out of Adam Wainwright today. You would, and this could be the start of something, right? Maybe Jack Flaherty started it last night, and I know he went five, but you got to understand the circumstances kind of dictated that. If the offense hadn't had the outburst that they did in the fifth, I think you see him go out there again I in the too. sixth. So that was part of it. Now, today, you've got kind of a refreshed bullpen because of the way that they were able to use guys last night with Cody Whitley giving them two strong innings. So now if Wayno can go deep again, and now you've got the off day tomorrow, okay, everything everybody can breathe a little bit in yep. that bullpen. You get to Friday's game, Kim is back in the rotation on Saturday, and now we're kind of rolling here a little bit. So it all starts today, and they need a little bit more out of Adam Wainwright. They signed him for a reason. It's to get a little deeper into games. Absolutely, and and to your point, you, you probably have Gallegos for an inning today. You could have Hicks for an inning or two, depending on how his first inning goes. you got Alex Reyes, who hasn't pitched in a while, so you'd like to go and, uh, have him go deep. But if you run into trouble, he's your guy. I think you, and of course you have Tyler Webb, who's on pace for 135 appearances. I can't believe it didn't throw last night. I, I thought just... for sure he was going to, even if it wasn't for the Cardinals, I thought they would loan him to the Nationals for an <laughs> inning. Just say, hey, you know, we've got a guy yeah. that is available, readily available, and he hasn't pitched tonight, so if you guys want to use right. him, go for it. You don't need Hernan Perez. No. We, we got Tyler Webb. Um, through the first 10 games, the only pitcher that has thrown more than Tyler Webb in terms of appearances was Steve Klein. He had oh eight. God. So Steve Klein was used by Tony La Russa like every day. Every day. Dirty hat and all. He'd come out there grimy. He's flipping up sliders and that's what you're getting with Tyler Webb, just minus the dirtiness of the hat and the scrubbiness of... And he, he it's affectionate to Steve Klein. Um, yeah, he's just being used so much. Which I understand. Um, Andrew Miller did not look good last night or two nights ago, and you got Cabrera. I thought Cabrera may have found something last night. That was as good as I've seen him in a while. Yeah, he looked awesome last night. He's got a great, I mean, great elite breaking ball, but he's lefty ninety seven, ninety eight. Use it, use it, pound the strike zone with it. So that was good. Um, we're wrapping up the show here. So what do you guys uh, have coming up with uh, you and Alex? Yeah, looking forward to it. So we've got Ed Wade, former Phillies and Astros general manager. He's going to join the show coming up at 1130. Of course, we've got to talk a lot about Matt Carpenter. Dan, I've got a new slogan that I would like to unveil for Matt Carpenter. So that's coming up today on the show give as me, well. Just give me a little hint. Hashtag. It is a hashtag for you. Okay. We'll get into that. All right. All right. Looking forward to that. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music 
and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.